Let me tell you how it will be We'll all catch up on the books you'll see Cause it's the X-Men Yeah, it's the X-Men Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast, episode 199. This is an X-Men episode where I'm going to go through three X-Men books. But before we get into that, let me tell you where you can find us. You can go all over the place, but go over to the WS Marvel Comics on Twitter, where if you follow us, we'll follow you back. We also have a website, weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com where we review all of the books coming out, plus have previews, news articles, and commentary. We end up having a lot over there, so check that out. You can go to YouTube, where we have a YouTube channel, Weird Science Comics, where I do video reviews of both Marvel and DC books. And we have a Patreon account, patreon.com slash weirdscience, where you can go and give us a little... You know, solid, as they used to say, and give us some help, some enthusiasm there. What what do I say? You could get us encouraged. But also, if you go over there, you can get a bunch of shows as well, Uh, exclusive shows that you can only get if you do join up on the Patreon. And each level you go up gets more and more shows. One of the big things that we do is the Patreon only spotlight that me and Brandon do each and every Wednesday night. This past Wednesday, we ended up doing X Men Fantastic Four number four and Daredevil number 21. So if you wanted to hear us talk about those, you'd have to go over to the Patreon. If you join up, you will not be charged right away. What ends up happening is you sign up and you will get charged the first of the following month. But if you don't like what you hear, if you don't want to be involved, you end up quitting before there. No fuss, no muss. You never get charged. So that is pretty much a free trial to check things out. I'd rather have people check things out, see if they are worth it to them for their time and money because everybody's different. Everybody's in a different situation. Um, But I do want to say that we do a lot of stuff over there averaging probably a show a day so if you like these podcasts you could get more podcasts marvel dc even cartoon stuff manga stuff a lot of different things over there but the best way to see what i'm talking about is to check it out at patreon.com slash weird science now we're going to get into the books that we're going to talk about starting with New Mutants number one, and I am doing this. I'm going to try to do this all in one fell swoop. I I have recorded all of these books already. I didn't like the way they came out, so I'm going to re-record them here, see that we can get a little more flavor to it, see if we can get a little more oomph going, starting with the New Mutants number 11, written by Ed Abrisson, art by Flaviano, colors by Carlos Lopez, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. And it is an issue that is called Adrift. When a teenager in the mutant-hostile nation of Carnelia began to manifest an enormous sphere full of nightmare creatures, the new mutants were eager to help. Unfortunately, as more of the team was subsumed by the orb's psychic control, the Carnelian army arrived, escalating the situation considerably. Now within the sphere, but untethered from the outside world, armor's protective shielding has fallen. And it's kind of a weird 
deal there because there's some things that seem to have changed a little since the beginning of this couple issue are number one it seemed like the army was already there they had even had guys who went into this tunnel to see what was going on with this orb and they seemingly got sucked in also the idea where setting up armor going into the orb going with cypher mondo and wild side it was kind of spelled out if the armor protection went down they were doomed right away you couldn't even have a crack because something now it's completely gone and they just have a little bit the time is of the essence it just seemed like a couple things kind of changed from the beginning it's fine though and what you end up having and what i think this new mutants book what i like about it what i have grown to like about it is the idea that when you're reading it a lot of times i've thought well I don't really think this story is that big, or I don't think the story is that great. But then it ends up becoming better or bigger. You ended up having the whole deal with Sunspot and space. You know, hey, we're going to Shire Space. We're doing all that. They get arrested. They're there with the Star Jammers. All these things kind of thrown in. And it never felt like it was hitting with me. But then you end up seeing that they got the King Egg, brought it back to Earth. Now, this leads to craziness. That ends up with Brew becoming King of the Brood. So it became a lot bigger. Now, unfortunately, for readers of just this book, that big thing happened in the X-Men book, which kind of it's kind of sad that it didn't happen in this one, but still bigger. With this, also, you end up having the team that's on Earth, you know, with Boom Boom that I love. You end up having armor. Uh, they end up going to save Beak and his family in Nebraska and end up where some you know people are dead humans are dead beaks family's dead and like okay i I like the story but it it ends up where it's feeling bigger because of this doxing site this site online that is doxing all the x-men so again i think that this is bigger the the total sum is way bigger than the parts and i like that saying that i don't mind this story i think that the whole idea of having this mutant in Carnelia is going on maybe a little too long for what it is. And the mutant's name is Cosmer, who is a mutant girl who ends up having a problem where she has nightmares and they pretty much just create a black hole that's consuming everything. She's like the Freddy Kruegers with the black hole. And so the new mutants show up. They're going to try to help this out. They're going to try to stop Cosmer, but stop her in a way that they can go take her to Krakoa and help her. In the meantime, Carnelia is a nation that has not recognized Krakoa as a sovereign nation. They haven't signed the treaty, so they're looking at it, and their minister, who has shown up with the press, looking at this as an invasion by the mutants. Also, the other thing that he's saying is this is a setup. This is a dupe. I know this is what he's saying. I know that this Cosmer, this mutant, They've set this up so that they can come in, look like the Shining Knight, and save everyone so that we're forced to join in in that treaty, and we're not going to do this. So we're looking at this as an international incident, an attack, and they're going with that. Because as you end up having armor and Cypher and Mondo and Wildside inside this black hole, you also end up outside with Boom Boom, Wolfsbane, and Mirage where the army is kind of coming in. They're advancing in on them. You had Mirage have like a lifeline that would be able to pull out 
the characters that I mentioned inside this black hole. That was severed. So there's a lot of problems going on. There is a tension to it of you end up having Armor's team. They've got to do what they have to do quick because if they don't, everybody's just going to be arrested and taken down and possibly killed by the Carnelian army. So while this is going on, you do end up inside the black hole. It, it ends up where Armor thinks that she sees her dead mom and brother. This ends up making her freak out. She's in the nightmare realm now. The whole armor goes down, and you have Mondo pretty much save the day by grabbing Wildside. And Wildside's whole deal for being here is he can inject nice dreams, the dreams of the, you know, butterscotch rainbows and unicorns into Cosmer so that she can calm down and they can figure this out, save everyone, save Cornelia. And they end up doing that. You do end up having Mondo slinging old Wildside into Cosmer. He injects the dreams. She does calm down. And then in a big, giant kind of explosion type deal that leaves a crater, they're all just laying there. And it's kind of funny because when you do see a really good Flaviano spread page of the good dreams going in, you end up getting a squirrel girl stuffed animal. You have a black widow, you know, even a colossus. It's, It's pretty cool going on. Well, when everything explodes, some of those things have manifested itself into the reality there. You have a lot of lollipops laying around, candy and stuffed animals. So it does show, you know, the power of these dreams and nightmares that she ends up having. You have stolen my dreams. I know. But while they are mirage and then Boom Boom, because Boom Boom can speak Russian, goes over and trying to calm Cosmer down and explain we're here to help you we actually came in to help you we're going to take you to our home where you can get fixed well the carnelian army is advancing they are going to arrest the new mutants and again they have every right to really i mean this is a nation that has not recognized that krakoa was a sovereign nation they are being invaded by mutants and so when they're doing this They can't fight back. The new mutants are having problems. All of them feel sluggish. They feel groggy. They feel hungover. And it's not just the idea that they were in this nightmare orb and it's affecting because all their powers were going full black, all that sort of thing. There is something that is spelled out later that is kind of interesting. The way that Ed Brisson sets this up is that in that nightmare realm, if you go in to that orb, when you end up having Cosmer make that, you end up where that part of her entity, that that mutation, that whole thing going on, which does seem more like a mutant manifestation of a mental illness than anything else, is that when you're in there, you're also injected or you end up consuming a anesthetic that ends up making you groggy, makes you sleep so that this whole thing you know, can perpetuate it. It can keep going. It can keep going because you're not going to wake up because you're being put to sleep, all that. I thought that that was a nice little twist there. And the reason why most of the new mutants here cannot fight back. Boom, boom, can, and she wants to. She, she's kick-ass. She wants to fight back. But what ends up happening and what Mirage even says, listen, we can fight back. We probably can win. We're outnumbered. They say we're outnumbered. Boom, says we're always outnumbered. But they could, but they're gonna. There's gonna be casualties, and they're gonna have to kill humans, which they're not allowed. And some of the mutants may die, which okay, they could be brought back, but still, that's not a pleasant situation. So all this is going on. You don't know what is gonna go. How is this gonna be resolved? 
And then Magic shows up looking bad ass indeed. I mean, Magic shows up and just starts saying, listen, you carnelian jerks, I am taking my mutants here. We are going away. How dare you? How dare you point weapons at them? You know, how dare I don't have the how dare you, so I'll I'll use this. I like turtles too, zombie Jonathan. But you end up where magic says, stop it. You're all nonsense. Don't point weapons at us. I'm taking these mutants back and does take them as you end up having the army open fire, but they're not hitting anything because the new mutants have skedaddled. They're back on Krakoa. They end up, you know, there and they're being looked at. This is where you have healers saying, you know, as I'm looking at you have this anesthetic. This might come in handy when we try to figure out the Cosmer's deal, the mutant girl that we brought back and she's brought back and as you're regrouping with the whole team, as this whole thing winds down, y- you get some pretty big things. One thing is that Armor, she's very upset. She thought, you know, I saw my dead mother and brother and, you know, this. I need to process this. Cypher wants to help her out, but she says, I need to be by myself. I need to go off. Uh, you do then end up seeing Cosmer is almost like the girl in the bubble. They have to keep her in this bubble in case she goes crazy. Now, to get her, you know, to not freak out so that they can watch her and make sure her whole nightmare orb doesn't go. And you, they end up getting those damn children of the corn, Maxima and Manon. And why would you get a children of the corn to watch over a Freddy Krueger? That is nonsense. <laughs> And then there, there's the Crypt Keeper for crying out loud. Where's he? You end up like, I don't trust those children of the corn. I can't stand them. I think there's more to them than all meets the eye. And I think that they are going to become very, very important. I'll give you my theory in a second. But you end up where Mirage goes and visits Cosmer because it's a very similar situation. Mirage ends up having nightmares that pull loved ones in and all that stuff when she was a girl. With her powers so, she recognizes how hard this would be. Well, that's where Manon, Children of the Corn, steps up. Hey, how about I end up wiping this mutant's memory of her killing her parents? She keeps trying to do this, right? And Mirage's like, no, 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 we, we can't do that. And it is almost like playing God, you know, this whole idea of that. So you end up where, no, no, we can't, Manon, settle yourself down. That's not what we do here. We're not wiping minds. And like, okay, well, what, why are we here? What are we going to do? Well, you end up having Maxima, who can control emotions. He is going to make sure that if Cosmer ends up getting upset, gets anxious, gets whatever, he will calm her down. So then you end up where you have the Maxima then, well, what's Manome going to do? If you're not going to let us wipe minds, what does she do? Oh, she's here to just keep you awake. She's here to keep you from going. I'm like, it's trouble. It is trouble. These these children, they're wacko. And I'll, I'll get to my theory in a second because I will end this with the whole idea where magic then reveals. She goes to Mirage and says, hey, you know that piece of crap doxing site? You know the one that's giving out all the addresses and following the mutants? Even as they go through the gateways, this site is, you know, you know, Wolverine went through this gateway here. They're announcing all these things. Uh, but that was how you ended up having Beak's parents killed. But also that is in a twist. You end up, that's the reason and how 
Magic knew that the new mutants were in Carnelian and were able, she was able to go and save them. If it wasn't for that doxing site, there would have been real big trouble. But the doxing site did allow them to do that. Uh, but they don't want this. This, this is bullcrap. This is putting all the non-Crack Cohen mutants, the mutants that haven't gone to Krakow or haven't wanted to go, in grave danger all the time because they're being doxxed. So they're going to take it to the streets. They're going to go and take care of it. And you get a little bit of a hint that old Glob, he's going to get a little bad butt himself because he says, you're going after those doxers. I'm in. You count me in. Let's eat these sandwiches I made. And let's go get those son of a gun. So you end up with that. And I did like this issue. Now, uh, before I give you my, my whole score and all that, I'll give you my theory. You end up having Maxime, Maxima and Menon. Menon especially white minds. Now, we have this issue where a lot of these mutants are coming back, wanting their memories, but yet their memories aren't there. We've also seen Menon and Maxima kind of go to Sebastian Shaw to tell him what's what and what has happened. That's how you ended up having Sebastian. And one of my favorite moments that Sebastian had, finding out about those drug runners that had ended up killing Beak's parents and have him go and take care of that. But you see that connection between these two mutant children of the corn and Sebastian Shaw. So what I do think is that Manon is definitely involved with some of these things with, you know, mutants not having these quote unquote bad memories like a domino who just came back. Because she really is, try- she's really got an itchy trigger finger on getting rid of these now. Because of all that, and with the Sebastian Shaw connection, I do think that this may be at play when we finally do get Kitty Pride back and she doesn't remember how she was killed. I do think that that may be something that happens uh, right away, you know, when she first comes back. And I think it's these kids. I think these kids are up to no good. They are in with Sebastian and all. Heck is going to break loose, but that's my theory of that. But this issue, I'm giving an 8.5. I actually really liked it. It's not the biggest story, um, but seeing them solve this deal as a team, seeing them being nice to Cosmer, bringing her back, but also seeing the setup more and more of this dock site and going off to get them because I want that dock site to be destroyed as well. And then just that extra bit where I think that, uh, you know, Maxima and Manon are, are definitely, I don't think that they realize they're up to no good. I think that they have good intentions. I just think that maybe Sebastian, somebody else, or a bunch of, they're, they're using them because of their good intentions and their abilities. So we'll see. But an 8.5, I'm going to give it, and I'm going to move on to the next book, which is Hellions number one. And The whole deal with this Hellions book, a lot of people have said it. I said it when I first read it on the catch-up episode where I talked about this. It was recently uh, that it's the X-Men version of the Suicide Squad. I'm no genius. I'm more of a dummy. So it's not me that just said it. I'm not there patting myself on the back. But most people have said that that's pretty much an easy way to describe it. Uh, The thing is, though, is going into this, and there's a big moment in this issue where once I get through the credits, I'm going to explain why it seems like an odd thing with this being the Suicide Squad, because I have an issue that's very similar that I have with the Suicide Squad book 
at DC. But again, this is Hellions number two. It's written by Zeb Wells, art by Steven Segovia, colors by David Coriel, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. And the issue, Idle Hands. Where's Seth Green? The island nation of Krakoa offers a fresh start. Fresh start for all mutants, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, no matter if they have no intention of ever changing. Don't change. <laughs> Don't go and change, right? But Mr. Sinister has a plan for those mutants, including the theoretically reformed Havoc and reluctant team watchdog Cylon. Channel their destructive energy into productivity. He's making a feature from a failure, a feature from something gone wrong there. And now the Hellions are on their way to destroy Sinister's defunct cloning lab in the basement of the orphanage where Havoc grew up. Man, could this day get any more depressing? Probably not. But the idea of what popped in my mind, because I did say, oh, that first issue, it seems like the Suicide Squad of the X-Men, of the mutants. Well, you end up having the Suicide Squad book. One of the biggest problems you'll have on that book is DC wants that book to sell. So you have to have big characters in it. A Harley Quinn, you know, as an example. But you can't kill those big characters. So the idea of trying to sell the book actually goes against the idea that the team is thrown out on missions where they can get killed at any time. Also, they have brain bombs in their head that usually, not right now what Tom Taylor's doing, but usually an Amanda Waller can press a button and blow their heads off. But you never have that tension because you're never going to get a Harley Quinn killed. You're never going to get a you know, Enchantress, Killer Croc, they'll play around with it a bit, but it has been a problem for that book. Now, you end up having the Hellion Squad, the whole Suicide Squad of X-Men, of mutants. Well, the problem is they can't die because even if you kill them, they could be resurrected. So you still get that idea. Now, you have a team that I don't know that anybody would be upset if Empath ends up being killed. That's a hint. He gets killed in this. but. He could be resurrected. The only thing that it does for this is that if they get killed on a mission, it kind of hampers the mission a bit. But you would think they could just go back and end up being resurrected. So we'll see how you end up having Zeb Wells play around that. It's one of the unfortunate things of the resurrection taking out a lot of the stakes and tension of stuff that goes on. So you go into this where you are having the team go to Mr. Sinister's deal, his state home for foundlings, where he has his whole cloning facility. They are going to burn it to the ground. Any any mutant clones in there, anything in there, they're going to destroy. This is what has to be done. They show up and the police are there in Omaha, Nebraska, they're like, hey, you know, what's going on? You know, we're we're with you. We're going to work with you. They're like, we're, we're not that sort of team. And this isn't any of your business. You guys make yourself scarce. We're not working with you. We're coming to destroy all this. You end up where Wild Child, he's kind of a one-trick pony or a one-trick Wild Child dog-like thing because you end up where at the beginning there is a police officer with the canine one of the canine officers you end up having wild child go up you, you the alpha dog and ends up attacking them they end up hey whoa whoa come on wild child go and i think there should have been more you know more repercussions from this but there isn't they kind of just say hey back up police we're doing our thing we don't follow the rules real well you know give us a wide berth 
we're going in there and we're going to do our deal and get the heck out. So they they do end up going in and you end up when when Wild Child ends up, you know, attacking this police officer, you do end up having Grey Crow as the one who kind of pulls Wild Child and, and slams him on the ground. So you see that through all of this, even though Psylocke, in my mind, yeah, is the leader because she's kind of in that position. I think that Grey Crow is very important here of keeping everybody together. The problem is, is that all hell breaks loose in this book. But at the beginning, you end up as they go in, they're looking at beds and dolls on the ground, things like that. You end up where Grey Crow's like, what a hell hole. And Nanny reacts to that. That monstrosity Nanny reacts. And you think reading this that she's reacting that Grey Crow is not showing his emotions. He's trying to be tough on the exterior, but interior, he's having some problems where Nanny's going to have to help him out because she goes over. It's okay. I'll protect you. Nanny's here now. You have great cross. Like, what the heck? Get away from me. Get away. At, at this point, Nanny's grabbing him by the leg. It, like, N- Nanny's here. And it's like, don't cry, my sweet boy. Are you hungry? Nanny will take care of you. Great Crow is freaking out. Get it. That's enough of that stuff. And uh, come to Nanny. I know you're hungry. Oh, my God. Get her off me. Get her off. He's just screaming. And that's where Psylocke realizes this is all empath. He is screwing with Grey Crow. He is screwing with him. And Psylocke says, quit it. Stop. And he's like, oh, I'm just having fun with him. I'm, I'm not, you know, doing anything bad. You're just, you know, messing around. Boys will be boys, they will. And you end up where Grey Crow, he's not down with that. He's like, he doesn't like to be punked. Ashton Kutcher isn't here. So he's pissed. He pulls out a gun and shoots Empath right in the head, kills him. Empath's done. He's dead. But again, that that's not permanent. So you get a wow moment. And you get one of those like, oh, man, you know, he could have helped out with the mission. Now, I'll give Zeb Wells full credit here. He doesn't act in this book as if this is a huge moment that can't be reverted with the resurrection because Psylocke just, oh, I got to fill out paperwork. She's mad. You end up where Alex Havoc. He's just freaking out because this is nonsense. This isn't a great team. You're shooting each other. This is ridiculous. And they have a mission to do. And they do go off. They just leave Empath behind. They're like, all right, there's his body. Let's go. And they go to figure out, you know, what's been going on in the orphanage, how they're going to go. They're going to bring it all down. And you do have Psylocke asking Havoc, Alex Summers, are you okay? Because he did grow up there. He did have problems with this whole place. And Alex wants to play it cool. And Alex is keeping the whole idea of I'm not supposed to be on this team. He's Dante. I'm not even supposed to be here today. That's not true. And Psylocke says, no, no, the Quiet Council thinks you should be here. So you're, you're here. And are you okay anyway? Besides that, are, are you doing okay? I mean, this is an emotional thing for you, right? He's like, no, no, I'm, I'm fine. I'm as cool as a cucumber nothing bothering me she's a telepath she says i know you're lying your head your mind is screaming right now stop it you know just settle down so they do go in and even at that where you have you know alex walking he sees a reflection of what appears to be maybe a broken mirror maybe and he sees a reflection that is the old him with Madeline Pryor there, which is foreshadowing for about, you know, two more pages, because when they go into the cloning room, 
They end up, okay, well, we're going to bring this down. Let me set the explosives. Let's go on. And again, you are continuing to have the baggage that some of these characters have. Nanny goes over again now to Grey Crow and says, listen, you know, I had some, you know, issues there. I was kind of being controlled by empath, but I do think that you are having some problems, Grey Crow. I know your background. I know that this is where you were born and reborn to do Sinister's bidding. Are you okay? And Grey Crow, you know, he's not a guy who likes to talk about his emotions and things like that. He says, you know, leave me alone. I'm okay. Just I'm planning explosives here. This will be good enough for me to plan all these. Now, what I think this book is all about, where Zeb Wells, he has a team of characters that not everybody knows. I'm not familiar with a lot of them. So instead of having a book where, you know, you have exposition of, well, there's Grey Crow. He ended up in the home for foundlings, and Mr. Sinister ended up cloning and recloning and recloning him to do his bidding. Instead of that, you're seeing it naturally through story. And I do like that better. It it means more to you then as you see it. But it also tends to have a, a bit of a catch-up factor for people who aren't familiar with the characters, me included, where as I'm going through, some big moments happen that are going to be bigger for people that are already in the know. But in the meantime, the big moment ends up getting me more into the know. So I think it's a cool, clever way of doing this. It's a great way to introduce characters and their past. And that's what you're getting in this, at least this first arc of this Hellions book. Where I worry, though, is because when I think of that in my mind, I also think of what Brian Hill told me the whole Fallen Angels book was about. He said that when that was originally introduced for him to do, they said already was going to be a miniseries, though they didn't say that at first. They didn't want people to say, oh, miniseries, it's not important. This is fact. I've been told this. But it also was the idea, okay, all you need to do in Fallen Angels is to pretty much set up Psylocke, set her up, she's back in her body, all these, and then we'll move on. Now she's in this book, but I, I get the get this weird feeling that this book is just to do that with Alex, with Havoc. And that's why he's forced into this. That's why you end up having Scott freak out when he was put on the team. That's why you're getting heavy with the Alex deal. Uh, so I, I just I worry that maybe this book will not end up being a book that lasts as long as it we all think it should or would because it's just here to set up that. Then it's just a side deal because when you end up there placing all the explosives, they're going to blow up this whole cloning room. They end up where you have the classic of the horror movie where blood starts dripping from the ceiling and they look up and it's funny too because of all of these characters that are all going into this room and that one looked up and saw those hanging bodies of the dead Marauders OG team dripping blood everywhere and they're like, oh my God, it's the Marauders. Holy crap, we got to get them out from this, you know, thing that they're hanging up almost like they're in a meat locker. Let's get them down. They do. But when they go down, they pretty much turn into zombies and it's time to attack. And the team is Arclight, Reptide, Harpoon, Blockbuster, Prism, and Scrambler. And it's just going to be let's fight each other. 
while you then have Madeline Pryor come out of the shadows. The Goblin Queen comes out. Hey, everybody, what's up? And you end up having Alex freak out. They were lovers, they were. And he yells out, Madeline, when did you come back? And it seems to be the big, you know, trigger moment here for Madeline where she's like, oh, oh, Alex, years ago. And then gets real dark and no one cared. And then it's attack. Everybody attack. You get Psylocke. She gets hit with throwing stars. You end up having all of the team attacking each other. One of the big things is having Havoc go against Prism and yells, this Prism, he's refracting my attack. It ends up looking like at one point you're crossing the streams and you may end up with a huge explosion if something isn't done. Well, Madeline does something. She pretty much just destroys Prism. He's done. He's gone. He shatters. And then she goes and tells, you know, Alex, hey, you know, be quiet. I'm here. And he says, you're bleeding. And she's like, Shh, you will, too. He looks freaked out. He looks completely freaked out. And one of my biggest problems with this issue and one of the few problems I have with it is then it seems as Madeline and out Al- they disappear, but you don't really see it. And there's a couple moments in this where. Some progressions are a little, you know, shady. You don't really know. But there's big fights going on. There's some humor with it that Zeb Wells, I think that he's a humorous guy. The humor continues to be through Nanny, who ends up getting attacked by scramblers. Like, oh, my God, I'm being scrambled. Ends up getting knocked over. Face plants. Can't see what's going on. In the background, you have you have uh, Orphan Maker. He's getting scrambled. And now Nanny's like, Somebody else, somebody else is getting scrambled. I can't see. Somebody roll me over. Let me see. Well, it's just basically the whole team being taken down. You end up where the big dupe is that Grey Crow ends up attacking Arclight, who then ends up reverting to her real self, it seems, and says, oh, Madeline's gone. The queen's gone. We're back to normal. And he's like, oh, my God, thank God. It was a dupe. He's getting punked down. He gets run through. So he's down. And you end the issue with most of the team maybe dead, but at least hurt and out with Psylocke, who did get hit with the throwing star. She's bleeding. And then Wild Child, who you're like, where the heck did he go? He comes out of the shadows and basically gets back to his one thing, his MO, and says, huh, I can tell that you're hurt there, Psylocke. That means you're not the alpha dog anymore. Let's fight. And that's how it ends with him attacking because he wants to be the leader. And then it says, you know, to be continued, which obviously it would be. Um, But yeah, overall with that, I do enjoy this book, but it is it's got a couple things against it. Like I said, you end up having characters that not everybody knows and you're using this to introduce them. So there's going to be, you know, that factor in of confusion for some people. You know, the pacing may not be full out because you're telling the story. It's going a little slower, even though it's action packed in this issue. You have a big fight. But the overall progression in two issues is pretty much go to the orphanage and then meet up with the zombie marauders and old Madeline Pryor. Big stuff. But you haven't progressed too much from that. I hope that this picks up. I think that the next issue will be, you know, where a lot of stuff starts really hitting. Uh, but the other thing about it is, is unfortunately for it, you know, a lot of the books are at issue 10 and 11. So some big things are happening and then you're starting this off and it, it's not Hellion's fault. It's not Zeb Wells fault, but it just kind of is that deal of, all right, we're going back a little to start something new and it's fun. I do like it. And I like the team and I want to learn more about them. 
as we go through. So overall, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. I think I gave the first issue an 8 out of 10 as well. I like this book. I do like, you know, getting familiar with it. But if you had listened to all my catch-up episodes from the beginning, that's how I start a lot of them. Uh, that's how I started Excalibur, for crying out loud, where I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of digging, learning about this. I did some research, and I'm, I'm in. All right, Excalibur. Now I, I can't stand it. So hopefully, though, this kind of develops in a way that I like it even more and more as it goes on. But I am going to go on to the next book and the last book of the night, and it is an Empire tie-in. And I have not really been excited for Empire yet. I'm still waiting for that bit of excitement. So reading the tie-ins is a weird deal because the first two issues of Empire not been reeled down with. I'll be talking about the second issue that came out this week on Tuesday with Brandon. So you hear what I say about that. But pretty much I'll tell you, for the most part, I'm bored and I need it to pick up the pacing. And I have, you know, we'll get into that more when we do talk about it. But I have actually enjoyed some of these tie-ins that came in this week more then I've liked the actual deal. This is one of them. I don't love this issue. I see a lot of people just loving this issue. I don't love it, but I like it. And I had some fun with it. I think it feels big with both Empire, but also the X-Men books. And that's what you would want out of it. You would want to have Jonathan Hickman and Teeny Howard who are writing it. You want them to show you why it shouldn't matter. Why, if you're just reading the X-Men, that maybe you should be paying attention to this whole empire thing and so with that i'm gonna go into it right now and it's written by jonathan hickman and teeny howard art by matteo Bafagni, colors by nolan woodard and letters by vcs clayton cowles empire x-men wanda maximoff the scarlet witch the pretender who with her magic decimated the mutant population and who now seeks to do right by those she wronged and what she's basically going to do here is turn the island of Genosha into an island of zombies, an island of mutant zombies, which then can lead to, with the Kotati attack and all that going on, kind of a clever deal of plants versus zombies. They even have that in the credits deal, and it is alien plants versus mutant zombies. But yeah, you end up seeing a progression into this where Wanda has gone to figure out what she can do to make up for all the trouble she did and it seems like she means well but again she's screwing over everybody and makes like i said a mutant zombie nation of genosha where you do end up because of its proximity to wakanda you end up having it being the kotati invasion fleets landing spot for where they're going to stage a wakandian attack where they're going to attack wakanda it's going to be from Genosha. It just happens to be filled with zombie mutants, which they end up going off, and you end up getting a bit of the Kotati army. You get a li- it gets a little bit too jokey where one of the guys' names is Ruda Bega. Ruda Bega. And, and I wonder if he, this, this Kotati, could it be possible that they are related to Lou Bega? You know, and they could start singing Mambo Number no. 5. That'd be pretty cool. That would actually make me laugh more than Ruta Bega. <laughs> and actually, if Lou Bega was in, that'd be great, too. But they wouldn't like him. He's a meatbag. But you end up there where you have the Kotati, the, you know, the plant men. 
They're out, and all of a sudden they run into a, a mutant. They run into a zombie mutant. They don't understand what this means. They don't know what a zombie would be because the plants. What do the plants know? <laughs> Nothing. They, they got cauliflower for brains, but they end up having, and you, you end up having this mutant trying to talk. And it can't because he's missing his jawbone in the bottom. And so they put that in. It seems to click in very well. And then he starts talking like, yeah, you know, we're kind of mutants and zombies. You know, we're undead. We have all these things. And my name's Explodey. I explode. And this, I didn't quite get the progression of this because you end up having Explodey. He, he does explode, it seems. Or is he telling them about it? Because he does say like this, watch, hey, and he explodes. But then he's not explode. But that's fine. But nobody around him seems to have been affected. So I just like, okay, and then he gets his arm cut off, which then leads to the Kotati general guy saying, oh, you're you're not alive. You're dead. Yeah, yeah, we're kind of undead. That's our thing. And uh, by the way, here we come. Let's fight. And you do end up having the Kotati and the the mutant zombies then fight where you end up having the, hey, there's 16 million mutants on this island who died, which yeah, that's a huge thing. Here they come, and a bunch of us are vegetarians. I'm like, I don't know. This is a little jokey for me here. Going, it does end up a little better, even though I have an issue with one of the big things that happens. But you end up where they're fighting, everything's going down. You do go off then to see uh, Penance, Angel, and Magic, who are out. And, and you have Angel and Penance who are doing X-Force stuff, stuff that was set up by Sunspot. This is more of the business side of things where they're going and making deals things like that and magic is there to watch over them kind of spy on them for xavier who wants to make sure there's no quote-unquote redundancies and these redundancies end up making angel pissed off like why you know what he thinks we're not on the up and up this is ridiculous i'm gonna have to talk to charles i'm pissed off about this and you go where they're heading to a business meeting of all this but then they just decide not to, and Magic warps them back to Krakoa so that Angel can talk to Xavier. I'm like, this is a weird bit of setup here for not doing anything yet. So they go off, and basically what Xavier says to Angel is, the redundancy isn't if you're doing something on the up and up or whatnot. I trust you. The redundancy is I, I need to make sure that you're not doing something that, you know, doesn't really need to be done because you're one of the, the best mutants. You're one of the most powerful mutants. You're the one of the ones I trust. We don't have a lot of those. So I can't have you off doing nonsense when we need you. Here, same with penance, you know, all these things going on. That's what he's up to. Now, again, you have all the set. It, it's weird setup for just to get to the point where, Black Tom's freaking out that the Ganoshim portal is not working right, and you have to go and check out what's going on. Let's see what's there. And, and it's just an odd setup just then to have, you know, Penance and Angel. Imagine them going off to see what's going on. And so you get a little more, and there's just weird things where you end up where, okay, well, we have to see what is happening with this portal. And you have Angel saying to Magneto, all right, well, I'm going to take Penance, I'm going to take Magic, and I'm going to take, and then Magneto's, you get one more person, only one more mute. He's, well, well, why? I mean, there could be thousands upon thousands of forces on the other side of this. We might need, nope, one, 
You just get one. That's the rules. I'm like, I, I, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't really. It's, it's, it's forced in, in my mind, so that you can get the joke because they end up getting Jamie Madrox multiple men. So getting one, they get a ton. And it just leads them to go. But it, the setup, again, with the whole X-Core thing and, well, you know, redundancies, and then you only get one, it just seems really odd setup in this to me. But you do go, and once they get to Kenosha, I thought that it, it picked up a bit, and it was pretty cool. You do have, if you're reading all the X-Books, you do have a really kind of a funny cliffhanger that could get you excited i guess and something where i didn't even think of it but a group of gals that might be able to help in this fight against the kotati at the end but they end up going and seeing oh my god there's zombies there's plant people oh my god this is nonsense they end up trying to clear off the portal the gateway because it seems to be overrun with katati vines and things like that they say oh my god we got to do some oh you know get this stuff you end up having some of the jamie madroxes go and start pulling the weeds they're doing the weed deal uh with that now my problem with all this is i guess the idea is that wanda has just done this deal to get these zombie mutants resurrected on the island because what you end up having is them making a mad dash for the portal and the big play is if they get through the portal now we have zombies attacking krakoa we have to stop it but i kept thinking like well why why did they just it just happened that right now they're doing that there was time so i guess it is just the fact that wanda has just tried to set this up well when you end up having the madroxes going and pulling the weeds and opening up the portal they end up having this green goo on them and they're like oh my god what's this and if you had been reading a lot you might be like oh my god it's the slime all this so this points to the the golden girls the golden girls that ended up in the one x-men issue you know back where they ended up saying they could work the portals they were going to come back later to try to cause some problems all this they are the group called horticulture uh which is funny too but they're you know straight up the golden girls where they end up going and taking care of that these mutant zombies that are going to go through to krakow they do get stopped by horticulture they stop them with this slime that ends up you know getting them down in the meantime though you still end up having an island that is a staging area to go to wakanda and you do have the whole kotati you know invasion of earth that they're gonna have to deal with but it's cool to have horticulture there because they even say we know plants that's our thing Hey, uh, you know, they're always cursing and getting sexy, those Golden Girls as well. But it's kind of a cool team up here with Horticulture and, you know, the mutant team of Penance, Magic, and the the Madroxes and Angel. So it's, it's a pretty cool deal. It's a pretty cool way to end it. Again, people seem to really love this issue, like really go over the top with the tens and all. I'm not that hyped up about it, but I did enjoy it by the end and you're gonna have to have a setup and so the first half is pretty much the setup just seemed weird some of it but when you get to the whole deal and when you end it if if the purpose of an issue is at the end you want to read the next one then you know mission accomplished because i do 
I end up the Golden Girls there, which it kind of drove me nuts when they first showed up because at that point, the X-Men book was just a series of one shots that didn't seem. But having them here, I was like, all right, I'm in. That got me. So, yeah, overall, I'm going to give it a seven five. I thought the art was really good. Some of the, the comments at one point. You end up having magic with her sword. Like, I broke the weed whacker. I'm like, yeah, that didn't sound like her. And you could kind of go through this because it is co-written by Jonathan Hickman and Teeny Howard. You could go and maybe try to figure out, you know, that's a Hickman thing. That's a Teeny Howard thing. As you know, I've mentioned already Excalibur in this whole deal. Not a huge Teeny Howard fan, but overall Teeny Howard and Jonathan Hickman writing together. Not bad. And that's my hope for the Ten of Swords, because that is their book together. If they do that book together, I have a little more hope right now of enjoying that. I did not have much hope, you know, going towards it when it was announced, all that stuff, because I haven't been digging Excalibur. But the combo, not bad, I have to say. So I'm going a little hope there. That's a little side thing, a little side hustle for that. But overall, yeah, seven five. I'm looking forward, though, to see what horticulture does in this. It'd be funny if horticulture, everybody's losing their mind after the second issue of Empire. And if this is spoiling something for you, I for, you know, forgive me. But the idea of Captain Marvel upping the ante so that she could be the savior as she is in a lot of. Now, if horticulture ends up winning the day, then I will laugh and I will laugh and laugh. So overall, though, thanks for listening to my X-Men catch-up show. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that you continue and enjoy the podcast. And what we're going to do going forward, I mentioned this before, on the Tuesday show, things like that, we are going to have three episodes a week. For now, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how what people like and all that. Where on Friday, I'll have an X-Men episode. You just listen to that. Where I go through the X-Books of that week. And sometimes there'll be more than others. And sometimes, And also, I will point out, Yes, Wolverine is an X-Men book, but that's something Brandon reads. So I will save those sort of things. I think that'll be the same as like when Juggernaut comes out, things that Brandon likes. We'll save that to talk with Brandon on Tuesday. Uh, but most of the X-Books, Friday. Then on Sunday night, we'll have an episode where I talk about books that came out that week that Brandon isn't reading and this week that would be things like uh dr afrin number two will probably be something i talk about now at this moment there's a lot of empire tie-ins so with that i think i'll talk about lords of empire emperor hulkling on that and empire avengers number one those would probably be the books that i will be talking about on sunday and then on tuesday we'll talk the stuff that brandon is also reading as well as me and that will be Wolverine number three and Empire number two. Those will probably be that. That's a pretty solid idea of what's coming up. So as we go through all of this stuff, we'll have that schedule. Friday, X-Men show. Sunday, regular show with just me talking about some of the books that Brandon isn't reading. And then on Tuesday, me and Brandon talking Usually the bigger books. Tuesday will have the bigger things. That's the ones that Brandon has been reading. The Sunday show, kind of a side kind of show side hustle there as well but i hope that that makes sense to everybody and thank you for listening again and uh yeah if you want to 
go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science. Help us out for all the things that we do. Give us some encouragement for all of the work that we put in for all these episodes. That would be awesome. I truly appreciate that if you do that. But if not, still listen to these shows. Shake my fist at you. But thanks, everybody. And I'll talk to you on Sunday.